Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners. It's Nicole Giantonio, the founder of Left Foot. And I'm here to announce that our 12 audio-based business development challenges are now available. 12 practical, execution-oriented steps to predictable success. Part of the Left Foot GPS growth practice solutions for business development. Go to leftfoot.com GPS for details. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today's guest is a partner in his firm's financial industry group and co-chair of its banking and consumer financial services practice. He specializes in the defense of financial services and technology companies in consumer class actions, government investigations, and enforcement actions. Goodwin partner, Brooks Brown, welcome to Left Foot. Hi, Nicole. Thanks very much for having me. Great to have you as a guest on our program, Brooks. Let's jump right into our questions. Brooks, which of your personal strengths or habits have allowed you to be successful in developing business for your practice and your firm? I'd say really three. I think number one is initiative and energy. You have to have initiative and energy around business development activities to make it part of your regular day. And so that's sort of number one. I think two is, and it's probably obvious, I think, but it's forming friendships and relationships that sort of go much deeper than just the professional attorney-client relationship that we have with our clients. I think it's you know, important to not only understand the lawyers you're working for, but the organization that you're working for and, and know the team members and know the organization and know them at a level that's just far deeper than just the attorney-client relationship. And then finally, I think it's really collaborating with the client and the team at the client to really make sure you understand the business objectives for the client in both the defense of the lawsuit and what its overall strategy is as a company so you can formulate the litigation strategy. I primarily do litigation to make sure that it ultimately meets all of their needs wherever they're trying to go. Let's dive a little bit into the last one, collaborating to understand their objectives. And it's something that we promote is really getting to know the strategic drivers of your clients so that you can best represent them. How do you go about getting the specifics from your clients that really mean something in your approach? Not general information, but really understanding what the clients, what they're willing to pursue what they're we're hoping for an outcome. What's your talk check around that? Very early communication around what's a win in the case? What does that look like? Where do you want to end up? And that involves considerations of timing. Are there other things going on at the client that mean we need to do something faster? Are there other considerations that would mean it needs to happen slower for a reason? What does that look like and how do they want to present that? What's the face of the company going to look like in the defense of the lawsuit? What's the overall theme of in the defense of what happened here and what's our explanation for it? So really trying to get early on with the client, not only do you have to understand the facts, but understand it in connection with what's going on in the business at that particular juncture. So the strategy in the case can aim exactly at that and be consistent throughout. So everybody knows where we're going and what we're going to try to do to get there. You're asking the questions, you're a member of the team, you're coming at this together for that collaborative outcome for people to be truly honest with you and give you that information you can use 
You have to have those trusting relationships. How have you developed those over time? And I'm sure it's different today than it was 10 years ago for you in developing those relationships. What does that look like? You have to have results for the client. That's sort of number one. To become that trusted friend, that conciliary, that trusted advisor, whatever phrase you want to use around it, you absolutely have to show that you're willing to be in the trenches just with them, not just representing them, but with them and defending the case and coming up with the strategy and representing the witnesses or whatever is going to go on. But I think it goes beyond that. It's making sure you know, and I really like this, so it's why I think I have some success with it. I really like to know people at a different level, at a deeper level, what's going on with them, what's going on with their families and know the organization too. I mean, part of that means partnering with them in things sort of outside the law. One of the things I've been fortunate to do and had some success doing is working with my clients on whether that's community service projects or pro bono initiatives and finding out what they're passionate about. Is that a habitat for humanity? Is it helping people get asylum or citizenship or whatever that looks like, guardianships, things like that. Working on a project together that's sort of outside the sort of the four corners of the law building a house or, you know, helping someone with a pro bono engagement. That's a really deep way to learn not only about the people in the organization, but the organization itself. And so I think from my perspective, business development used to be go to lunch, go to conferences. Where I see it now, you need to be more innovative and broader about what that looks like and find other ways to connect. Absolutely. Finding those joint interests and being able to work with your clients on things outside of the actual work product. Terrific way to create those relationships. Good lead into our next question. This is more about your responsibilities at the firm within your practice. I'm assuming you have business development goals and requirements in support of the goals of your firm each year. Do you have a formal business development strategy for your practice and what does that look like? And do you look at it on a regular basis to ensure you're keeping pace? You know, I do. You know, I have my own, I guess I call it a sort of a one pager that I look at, you know, and develop sort of at the beginning of the year. And then it becomes at the beginning of the fiscal year, it becomes then a living, breathing document that I'm constantly looking at to sort of make sure I stay on track. You do have to make it part of your initiative every day. And then through some of my other roles at the firm, I've been lucky enough to sort of take that kind of document and sort of work with other partners on what theirs looks like. And that's incredibly beneficial to learn sort of what our other partners are thinking about, what other partners do, what their sort of business development tool kit looks like, and find things for me that might work for me or find synergies between us that might work or even see trends that are developing. So the short answer is I absolutely have a document. I'm not a big believer in really long business plans. I live in a world of, you know, you have to get the message out and get it out quickly. And I I keep myself on track with a sort of a one pager that's looking at things about what clients am I focusing on and what will I be doing with them? What are some emerging clients that may be new to me that I want to continue to look at and figure out ways to continue to work with them? It's also looking at areas of my practice that I see as growth areas for me. And I think part of business development for us is internal networking. We're a big firm with lots of people doing lots of things and figuring out where I can take that and make some people aware if I boil it down to what do I do and why should your particular client care about what I do? How's it going to affect them on a daily basis? And try to get that down. I'm a big one pager kind of person. People spend time on these business plans. They're long. They go up on the shelf. You never look at them again until you're getting ready for next year's business plan. And having that one pager, you know what to focus on. Let's talk about 
about how you use that tactically. Is that something you are looking back and saying, okay, I've got my one pager. This is what I'm going to accomplish from my business development strategy. Every Monday morning, I'm sitting down and entering into my plan for the week the five things I'm going to do on business development. Is it something like that? What does that look like? I have my own one pager that I do look at and I'll write notes on it. I look at it Friday afternoons usually, and I look at it on Monday mornings. I do two things on those Friday afternoons. I always look at my sort of to-do list for the following week. And I also develop my list for the next week on business development initiatives. And whether that might be some external things that I'm going to focus on, I sit on our the financial industries practice group here. I sit on our business development committee and that might be my work that next week might be work for that committee and thinking about how we can help other partners grow the pie, think about their business development. I'm constantly looking at those things and writing notes next to them for the following week. And then I go back on Friday and check to see what I've done. And if it hasn't been done, I roll it into the next week. It sort of is almost a living, breathing document and I check things off, but it all sits on one piece of paper and it sits on one side of my desk along with my to-do list for litigation work with deadlines and things like that. And I try to work it all in together. It helps me see the picture for the next week. I like the fact that it's condensed. How about a success story from using that process? Is there something that coming straight out of that process that you said, wow, okay, that's working. What was that success story? The success story that I point to just sort of recently is on my to-do list, I do a lot of Telephone Consumer Protection Act or TCPA class action defense work. That's the, the law that sort of restricts, some people call them robocalls, some people call them auto-dial calls, the kind of calls that businesses make to people to get business or sell them something. So I do a lot of that work and I was doing a lot of that work for our financial services clients. And I looked at that and as I watched the law develop, I sort of realized that was something that was actually touching all sorts of clients. It wasn't just financial services client. It was affecting, you know, credit card companies to the local dentist office to a lot of emerging tech companies. And so one of the things that came out of that process is I thought to myself, what I really need to do is reduce for me what I do to a one pager that I can take out and go to a lot of our corporate or business law partners who represent those kind of clients that are out there making phone calls, sending text messages, and believe it or not, some of them still use fax and that gets covered by the law and just sort of tell them, look, your clients need to be aware of this. And, you know, if, you know, these things happen, I know a lot of this, I've been doing it for a long time, I can really be of help. And so I really actually, that one I internally marketed, I reduced to a, a one pager called, what is this law and why should your clients care, essentially? And I went out and I gave, you know, five to eight minute presentations at practice group meetings of other practices within the firm, largely on the corporate side. And I told them about it. And it was interesting over the last couple of years, I was in preparation for today, I went back and looked and it was, you know, I generated probably work, you know, some were lawsuits, some was compliance advice, some was whatever for 20 clients that were new to me, not necessarily new to the firm, but allowing us to bring, you know, our litigation capability to the forefront for those clients. And some of them, certainly I've defended TCPA cases for, but just from being introduced to them, I've actually gotten other business as a result of that. So it's a, it's an interesting thing that I sort of wrote that down and thought, eh, if I could really reduce this, and I know the other lawyers running their practice groups are really busy. So if I can get five minutes at a lunch where they're doing their normal practice group, just sort of tell them and it really actually paid dividends over time. It's a great success story. Let's start there. And then that idea that six to eight minutes you were presenting to each practice group. Yeah, I knew they wouldn't want to listen to me for longer than that. I was trying to keep it short, sweet, simple. We all do a lot of complicated things here at Goodwin. 
And, you know, when we often talk about them at a very high level with our clients using buzzwords and industry speak and and all that. And to be successful, we have to be able to explain not only to each other, but to prospective clients sort of what we do in English. And constantly, you know, I'm constantly thinking about how do I distill that message down into something that's sort of accessible? If, if I want one of my partners to understand that they would need to be able to turn next to someone sitting next to them on a plane and say, this kind of what Brooks does, right? And if I sort of speak it in a whole bunch of, you know, litigation, mumbo jumbo and buzzwords, then it it hasn't worked. So distilling it all down and leaving them with at least a little something that doesn't overwhelm them like a one pager. And now a word from our sponsor, Nicole here, and a shout out and thank you for tuning into the Left Foot Podcast. Are you looking to energize your business development efforts? Our 12 Left Foot Business Development Challenges will energize your efforts in three areas. Business Development Grit, tactical habits that lead to business development success, including networking, nailing your niche, how to focus and develop an expert reputation, commercial savoir-faire, a discussion on business and the revenue side of law. At Left Foot, we believe 20% of people are natural at business development, 10% say no to business development, and 70% are neutral and can adopt the skills necessary when presented in an organized, methodical way. To learn more and be challenged, go to the GPS page at leftfoot.com. We have been living in an interesting time, and especially in this particular industry, there's been so much change going on. Cycling back to 2008, it was really the beginning of a reevaluation that has you know, started to take place with corporate accounts and corporate clients. Of course, you know, in your work, you're dealing with some of those organizations. What has changed for you specific to business development and client acquisition due to these changing market conditions? a fair question. I think to me, what's changed is in business development, you just have to be more focused on it. It's a much more competitive marketplace. You know, there's a lot of competitive firms out there. You have to be more focused on it, build it more into your daily existence. And I think as we talked a little bit about earlier, be more expansive about what you're thinking about doing, right? You know, for me, it's definitely more a part of my day than it used to be. And, you know, Partly that's changing market conditions, it's partly changing responsibilities at the firm. But I think I have to spend more time on it. And I think, you know, I've had to build out the toolkit and think more innovatively about what the toolkit looks like and sort of how does that work? And we talked about some of the little bit of where is that a pro bono initiative or is it a, you know, a community service type thing? It's or, you know, it's not just should I take the client to lunch and, you know, and form a friendship with them. It's, you know, it, it's growing and developing that in a different way. It's making sure each day I'm sort of thinking about it as the clients that I have and the clients I would want to have would, reading the trade, making sure I'm sending things along that would be of interest and in showing that you really are in the trenches with them. It's one of the things I love about my job is, you know, I want to be in it just as much as they do and conveying that. I think that's what I see as the change in it is you just have to be more focused and probably more broad. How about on the way that you're actually going to market from a price perspective, from a value perspective? Has that changed? I mean, of course, you know, you're working in an area that was traditionally billed by the hour at different levels and there were additional costs for research and all the not advice portions of the services your firm is providing. How has that changed and how are you looking at accommodating the value question with your clients today? Goodwin has been around doing consumer financial services defense 
class action defense and the mortgage lending and credit card and other industries before it was sort of like the mortgage meltdown, right? Before it became like a practice, I think that everybody had and developed and, you know, with the mortgage meltdown and, and all the things that happened. So one of the things we've always sold is that expertise, because we've been doing it since, you know, since I even started here in, you know, 1996 and before. So we've been doing it for a long time. We, the value proposition that we ultimately sell, you know, I think from where we're at is we have a lot of experience, a lot of expertise, and that ultimately allows us to be very efficient and very creative and sort of know what we're dealing with. We know the industry well, we know the products well, been around the block on these issues before. That's not to say, you know, we still do everything by the hour. Like the value proposition beyond that is a lot more work on creative fee arrangements, any type of AFA. You know, some of those are flat fee arrangements. Some of those are flat fee arrangements with incentive. Some of those are phased flat fees. This is what we expect to do. You know, we're going to file a motion to dismiss. And if we win the motion, that's what the motion to dismiss is going to cost. And then we'll know what the scope of the case is and we'll budget or flat fee or flat fee with incentive or some other creative pricing tool beyond that. We certainly do more of that. Some cases are still hourly, some are different than that. I think one of the things we have at Goodwin is a great sort of operations and pricing team that really helps us think about those issues and gather, you know, I'm not the only one doing it. So gather all the intelligence from what we've learned about that and be able to really go to the market in a way that we can sort of sell those two propositions together, that efficiency, that expertise, together with going back to the collaboration point from earlier is how does the client want to do it, right? Different clients want to do it in different ways. And you got to be able to do all of those things. And, uh, it, you know, it's fun. I enjoy sort of figuring it out. The use of the data. And it's so interesting because the data used to be a tool that the clients were always asking for so that they could look at bills and do bill review. And now as firms, the data is providing you with the tools so that you can present those fixed fees and those cap fees in places. Absolutely. And it's really helpful because before, when we first started doing FAs, I would have that fear that I was just going to get it wrong. There wasn't enough of a track record to quite know, right? Because every case is different. I don't work in a commoditized space, right? So every case I have is different and trying to figure out how to make it work was much more of a challenge. And now we actually have, even since when we started it, our sort of pricing and operations team has grown and the data they have is great. So you really can take it to them and they can say, well, well, have you considered this or that? And we saw this happen in this and that looks like your scenario. So let's figure that out. So it's great. Talking about data, project management, there's technology tools. Of course, we've got e-discovery, we've got AI. What are you seeing out there that you think is truly innovative in the way that you're able to practice and work with your clients? I think the the ability to exchange information with them and look at things at the same time, you know, review things together, see people when you're talking to them, you know, even if you're not in the same room with them. All of those from my perspective are really big. You know, I think that is a big innovation is just the ability to sort of communicate effectively wherever, whenever, and, and really actually effectively collaborate in meaningful ways. I always want to lay my eyes on a witness and see how they react to things. And you can do that now. I also just think the innovation side, the second piece of it, from my perspective, is just all the different things that we can bring to bear for the clients now. We're lucky that we can find other ways to bring our expertise, our data, the things we're seeing in the marketplace to help our clients with 
things that they may be building out in their growth and development, whether that's a bill review system, whether that's what kind of AFA should you think about, whether that's recommendations on e-discovery vendors or recommendations on official intelligence and how that might work or, or vendors that might be able to help them with a particular compliance type project. That ability for us to take all the information that we've got together from our expertise about who's been really good as a vendor or even a mediator and bring that to bear for a client in making recommendations to them that help them drive their business forward in an effective way with consistent with their goals is really important. And I think we're lucky at Goodwin that we have a group of people that really collects that information, makes it accessible to us, and then we can use it. We're not want to figure out if one of my partners has ever appeared before some judge who just got assigned to a case that got filed against a client today. We know. And we know what that looks like. And we can find that right away with very significant ease, which is very different than when I began practicing. You know, it's it's a great point. And, and you know, that whole idea of being able to share what your firm has learned and the technologies your firm is using with your in-house legal departments that you're talking to and, and become the trusted advisor. There's an old term, right? Become the trusted advisor around the solutions, not only the advice and, you know, really in how they're practicing and how they're managing their legal spend from basically using the experience of your firm. I think that's an interesting point. Ultimately, in your firm, you're doing what you have to do to be efficient and to run your firm at an appropriate profit, appropriate profit plus, right? And they're doing whatever they can to run their department. Brooks, we have a lot of lawyers tuning in to hear how professionals like yourself have established your practice and and have grown your practice. What advice do you have for those partners that are listening in that are just starting out, just taking on their business development responsibilities? Sure. You know, I'm lucky I've been sort of had this role of, you know, helping people figure this out uh, with some younger partners over the last couple of years here at the firm. And I've really enjoyed it. I think the thing is always, you know, you need to, as I've said before, make business development a part of your world early and then daily, right? The earlier in your career, you can really make it a part of your day. And I even say this to not even young partners, but junior associates in the firm, you know, develop those contacts, try to stay in touch with those college roommates or those law school friends or whatever they are, even if they've gone to different firms, you look at them today as, well, they're at a different firm, they're probably a competitor, but that person, you never know where they're going to move. And just the practice of sort of going to events and maintaining relationships, you know, is really important. And I think so that the earlier you can start that, the more comfortable you'll be doing it. And when I was trying to make partner, the focus was on high quality work and lots of hours, right? And when you're doing that, sometimes the business development piece, you know, can suffer, but then you get up for partner and like someone says to you, well, you know, how are you going to expand the pie, so to speak? So the earlier you can do that, absolutely the better. So that's number one. I think, you know, and this is true, you know, of litigation experience, but watch what other people do and see how they do it and then figure out what do they do that you think might actually work for you and your personality. You know, everybody has sort of different approaches, different tools, different things they do well, different things that they find that are challenges. And gathering and watching other people, I've always found I've been lucky to have some really great mentors along the way and, you know, and always have been able to take from them what I saw that they, I thought, did really well that would work for me. So I think that's important. Sort of related to that is making sure there are lots of things that you can do for business development, but find things that you like, for lack of a better word, and that are a little bit more in your wheelhouse. So I know for me, I'm much more comfortable speaking at events or I'm happy to walk into any conference and talk to strangers 
that's fine. I know for other people, they would hate that. For me, I do so much writing in my practice. The idea of doing business development around sort of writing some sort of law review article or a big article in a magazine like that, for me, I'm not going to do that. So that's the type of thing that's going to fall down my to-do list. And then I'm never going to really accomplish it. And then I'll feel behind. So looking at the toolkit and sort of saying, all right, there's this big toolkit out there. Let me narrow it down to some things that I think that I can do and that I kind of like doing. And then I'll reduce the things I don't think I'm good at. And I'll save those for really when I think there's going to be a good return on it. And then finally, just remember, you're not going to get hired for everything. Business development is a long game. I think if you're an outsider or a younger lawyer looking at older partners, it looks like they hit all the time, you know, because you're like, oh, they got this case and then they got this case, right? It's funny. I tell people, you never see the times I miss, right? You never see there are cases that I've absolutely thought I was going to get that I didn't get. And there were some that I thought I had no chance of getting that I got. You got to keep swinging and know that it's a long game and there are a lot of capable people out there. And so keep swinging. And it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It doesn't mean you're bad at it. It just means you got to keep swinging. There's a lot of press out now that we should all be much more focused on building on our strengths versus trying to improve our weaknesses. Find your strengths and keep going. Someone says, write that 20-page article. That'll take a year and a half. There's some people who really love that. They really want to do things like that, and they actually have a lot of success at it. But for me, I've learned over time that it'll take a year and I won't get it done. Brooks, we have had the pleasure of speaking more than once, and I have to say that there is something really contagious about your enthusiasm for what you do. What do you enjoy most about the work that you do? For me, it's really, it's collaborating with clients to sort of win whatever win looks like to them, to really help them solve a complicated problem. I really love that. But the other thing I really love is I really do like mentoring and working with younger partners and younger lawyers on the BD side and on their legal development. I think to me, that moment when, you know, the younger partner or senior associate comes in and tells me they've like, they've won this case or they've gotten this important decision or they've actually been hired for their first case or their first engagement or they, you know, they met someone at a conference and they're going out and they're getting to pitch for work. That sort of enthusiasm. I love watching that. I think it's really great. Brooks, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Foot. Thanks, Nicole. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. For information on our podcast, our 12-session business development challenge, and our online business development coursework, visit leftfoot.com. It takes focus and thought to lead with the left foot. Until next time.